Well, praise the Lord. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Amen. Amen. Let me just say, first of all, before we get right into the Word of God, that I appreciate very, very much this wonderful privilege. I thank Brother Cody and the leadership of this church for trusting me enough to let me come this morning and open the Word of God and share what God has placed on my heart. I'm grateful and thankful for this church and thankful for what God is doing in this church. I, I follow you from afar off, I guess you could say. And uh, The last time, I was trying to figure out the last time I was at Iron City Baptist Church. Um, I think it was probably 1973 or 4. So it's been a few days. And, um, but uh, we're grateful to be here. Grateful to be able to come and to open the Word of God and to uh, share what God has placed on my heart this morning. But again, I thank you, brother, for allowing me to come. And I'll go ahead and say a word. If, if you look in your bulletin, there's the scripture there. It's not where I'm going to read from. Um, and it kind of just stirred my heart a little bit when I got to church and I shared with, with Cody because. Uh, I had been praying about this day and I thought I knew it, what God wanted me to read and what God wanted me to say. But I began to wrestle with the Holy Spirit this week and the Spirit of God just began to uh, stir my heart and uh, lead me in another direction. And then uh, talking to Cody this morning, he said he really believes that God wants to send revival to this group of people and to the church. And I believe that too with all of my heart. I believe that God wants to move by His Spirit uh, when we need revival. If we had a good definition of revival, I believe, and I, I got this probably from Richard Owen Roberts reading his book on revival. He said, revival is the extraordinary move of God the Holy Spirit and the life of a believer that brings about extraordinary results. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm hungry for. I'm hungry to see a move of the Spirit of God. I'm hungry to see revival sweep through the hearts and lives of the people of God uh, that would empower us and that we would see again uh, the extraordinary movement of the Spirit of God that brings about extraordinary works. Listen, I want God so to move in my life. And I, and I know your pastors and elders want God to so move in their lives, in the lives of this church. That when God does move, that no man could say, look what we have done. But we would all be able to say, only God could have done that. That's what we're praying for. That's what we want to see God do in our hearts and in our lives. I'm going to invite you to take your copy of God's Word. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. And I'm going to read, begin reading in verse number 9. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 9. And I want to preach with the help of the Holy Spirit this morning on pray like this. Folks, if we're going to experience 
experience a great move of the Spirit of God, uh, it's not going to happen until the people of God learn how to pray in the will of God and pray with all of our hearts and all of our, our strength with everything that we are. We need a prayer movement uh, in the local church uh, today. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say this. I was pastoring a church one time and the, the Spirit of God led me that, uh, you know, we had what we called a prayer meeting on Wednesday night and what it was like, they would come in and they would take the prayer bulletin and uh, somebody would stand up and read those names and then all over the house, people would begin to update those on the prayer list and uh, don't get me wrong, we ought to pray for sick people and we do that every day. But uh, if you looked at the list, the only the thing that was on there was pray for Aunt Lucy, her arthritis is acting up and pray for this and that. It was all temporal needs. And I realized we were praying more and with more fervor and passion that God would keep our 95-year-old grandmother out of heaven than we were praying that uh, there would be a great spirit of God to move in our churches so we could keep people out of hell. And so, and then when we read that prayer list, then somebody would stand up and they would pray just a real generic prayer. Lord, bless these people that we've read tonight, these names, and bless them. Amen. And God really burdened my heart. And I realized that that was not prayer meeting at all. So I told our people, I said, what we're going to do now is that for, for the, until God says different on Wednesday night when we come together, I said, we're going to take very little time. We're going to have the prayer bulletin printed off, but we're going to come in and we're going to have several different seasons of prayer and we're going to get together and we're going to get on our knees and we're going to pray until the Spirit of God comes, until the Spirit of God moves in the heart and life of our church. And, uh, and our, our Wednesday night crowd began to thin out. And people were heard in the congregation when they would come and they'd say, well, if, all, if I knew all we were going to do when we came was pray, I wouldn't have come. And I thought, well, that's a telling illustration why there's poverty in the pulpits and there's poverty in the pew and there's poverty in our family spiritually because we have forgotten the value of praying. Well, somebody will say, well, Brother Mark, I really struggle in the area of prayer. Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. If you found your place in Matthew chapter number six, and if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand uh, while we honor and reverence the reading of the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus, the greatest preacher ever to live, preaching the greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, said this, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the next little while that you would help me preach. 
Oh God, that you would empty me out of anything of my own. And one more time, this side of heaven, may I preach the word of God in such a manner that would bring honor and glory to the dear Son of God. Father, I pray that this great church would be built up and encouraged and strengthened. I pray, oh God, that the backslider might be ashamed of himself and come back to a right relationship with you. I pray, oh God, that the lost man may understand, Lord, his need for you and by your spirit, God, you would draw him to yourself today. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we ask that you make this time a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, prayer is so very important in the life of a Christian. I believe that prayer is one of the greatest treasures of the Christian life. Someone said prayer is the very breath of spirituality and its absence indicates deadness and coldness in our lives. Uh, so when we think about that, when we think about the privilege and the, the power of prayer in the lives of Christians. And we know that James chapter number 5 verse 16, the latter part of that verse says, the effective fervent prayer of righteous people avail much. Yet if we would be honest, and I would be honest with you today, and I would say that I struggle in the area of my prayer life. I believe that most Christians I know uh, struggle in that area of their life. So if most Christians are struggling in their prayer life, the reason why is because prayer is a battle. It is spiritual warfare. Listen, when we were little, we prayed over our children and taught them uh, as little toddlers, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. We teach those kind of prayers. But the truth of the matter is, we can teach little prayers to children. But when we uh, have been saved by the grace of God and we have the blessed Holy Spirit of God living in our heart, those kinds of prayers don't get it anymore. And we need to learn how to go before the God of heaven and pray until the power comes and pray until God does wonderful works in our lives. I heard Jerry Falwell, who's in heaven today, uh, preaching in a uh, pastor's conference back in the late 1990s. And it was the greatest sermon that I'd ever heard on prayer. And let me go ahead and say that that came from a man who was not noted for his great ability to preach. He was not the greatest preacher in the world. But what a lot of people don't know about Jerry Falwell is he was one of the great prayer warriors uh, of, our, uh, of our time. He was a man that believed in prayer and he often prayed before God. If you've ever been to Lynchburg, Virginia and look on the side of that mountain up there and see what God has done at Liberty University to see what God has done and how God has built probably maybe I think is the largest largest Christian university in the world. And it's almost a miracle to see what God has done there. But listen, in that sermon, he said this. He said, all of the failures of my life can be traced back to prayer failures. And I thought about that in my, in my life and how true that is in, in areas of my life where I felt like I truly failed and missed God and missed the mark of what God wanted for my life. It was because I failed in the prayer closet. 
You see, prayer must be a priority in the life of the Christian. All of the spiritual disciplines, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is second, I believe, only to Bible intake. And it is the will of God for every one of us that have been saved to learn how to prevail over the circumstances of our life through fervent prayer. Steve Gaines, who is the president of our Southern Baptist Convention, said this. He said, a day without prayer is a wasted day. And I say amen to that. And so I would ask you this morning, uh, have you prayed today? And when I, and I ask you, have you prayed? I mean, have you spent time with God uh, to where this morning already you have uh, set aside some time to where you, you turned your heart to the God of heaven and you have prayed and, and communed with God? Again, it's the greatest privilege, I believe, of the Christian life. And if you have not done that as of yet, then up until this point, maybe we have wasted our day. We don't need our wasted days. I can tell you uh, from, uh, uh, from my heart, there's been plenty of wasted days in my life where I got so caught up in doing good things and doing uh, what would be considered the work of God that we failed to spend the time in communing with God. And I believe when we fail to do that, we miss out on the blessings of God. We desperately need need to spend that time with God in prayer. It is both, I believe, interesting and amazing to realize that the Bible only records one time when the disciples specifically asked Jesus to teach them to do anything. And this is recorded in Luke chapter number 11 in verse number 1 when one of his disciples came uh, to the Lord Jesus and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. So they wanted Jesus to teach them how to pray. And I thought about why maybe was that uh, one of the uh, few things, or the only thing that we have recorded, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. I believe it was because of what they seen in the life of the Son of God. They seen that he was a man of prayer and a person of prayer. Right before we get into our text, can I just say to you about the prayer life of Jesus this morning, that his ministry commenced with prayer. Listen to Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and following. It says, now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying. The heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Do you think those disciples might have been watching as Jesus went down into the water and there was this man John and he was reluctant to baptize Jesus and he said, hey, I don't need to baptize you, you need to baptize me me. And Jesus said, no, it must be done. And as they stood there and as John was about ready to take him down into the water, they witnessed that Jesus was looking up to his heavenly father. And what was he doing? He was praying. He was calling on the name of the Lord. And then when he was baptized, they seen that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And they were, they were amazed at this man's prayer. Not only did his ministry begin in prayer, but it continued with prayer. In Mark 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 35 and following, it says, In rising, 
Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and some of those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus Jesus knew that the task that was before him demanded that he spend time with the Father. His ministry counted on prayer in Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and following. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to a desolate place and to pray. That's probably different than, than what we would do when the crowd started started multiplying coming to us we'd probably think yeah man we got it going on now and I've got this thing figured out but not the dear son of God he went even more to a desolate place and got on his face and prayed and communed with his heavenly father and then in the most desperate time of his earthly ministry his ministry on earth concluded in prayer in Matthew chapter 26 and they, uh, as Judas has already betrayed the Lord and they've went out to the garden of Gethsemane and, and Judas with the temple guard is on the way to this place that he knew where Jesus would be and Jesus took his disciples and, and he, he left some here and then he took his inner circle and went a little further uh, Peter, James and John and he said stay here and watch with me while I go yonder and pray and then I want you to see the dear sovereign son of God as he goes a stone throw away and he gets down on his face and he begins to pray in the most desperate hour of his life. And he began to pray. And he was in such agony with his father that, that the blood began to ooze from the pores of his skin. And he cried out and said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus concluded his earthly ministry in prayer. And can I tell you, he went to the cross and die he did for the sins of humanity. They took him down from the cross and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he rose again in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was seen by his disciples uh, for a, during a 40-day period. And at the end of that 40-day period, he ascended back to the right hand of the throne of God. And that's why Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. You see, even right now, this morning, while we're here in this church, the dear son of God, the God-man, the man-God who died for you and me and rose again is at the right hand of the Father and he is praying for you and he is praying for me hallelujah sometimes we say pray for each we say brother pray for me sister pray for me and we should but the greatest of all things sometimes when you think well I don't have anybody who cares about me I get that way sometimes where I feel like David when he said I look on my left and I look on my right 
A refuge failed me and no man cared for my soul when I felt like, so I feel like sometimes I'm a dead man who's been forgotten. Then I remember that I have the Holy Spirit of God living in my heart and he prays for me and the dear Son of God in heaven praying for me and then I am encouraged. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them some principles, I believe, here in Matthew chapter number 6 that will help us understand when we commune with God how we are to do it. Now, this prayer was never meant for us to take it and just quote it word for word and let that be our prayer. It is a model. It is, it is an outline. It, it, it is a, a, a model of principles that the Lord says, when you pray, pray like this. So the first thing I want to talk to you about this morning when we talk about praying like this, I want you to notice the person of prayer. Look in verse number 9. Again in verse number 9, he begins by saying, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. You see, the greatest privilege that we have as the people of God today in far as relationship is that we have a heavenly Father. Listen to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent, his, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Jesus was teaching the disciples something that they had never uh, experienced before. He says, when you go to pray, pray our Father in heaven. You see, the Holy Spirit that lives in your heart and lives in my heart this morning teaches us to pray. And when we are to pray, we, to our, uh, we are to address our, our holy God as our Father in heaven. We are to address him as our Abba Father. You see the word Abba, and, and, and really that's probably what Jesus taught them to say. He said, when you pray, pray Abba, our Abba in heaven, our Father in heaven. It's an Aramaic word for Father. And it's appropriate to see that it's similarity to the English word Daddy. Uh, and this familiar form indicates intimacy and trust as opposed to formalism and legalism. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you this morning that as God's dear children, we can come with confidence to our Abba Father in prayer. You say, I'm the father of three sons. God has blessed me so much. I have a 27-year-old, uh, our firstborn, who's a preacher and a pastor of outreach and uh, youth at East Boga Baptist Church serves with uh, Brother Mike down there. He's my oldest son. And uh, then I have a 25-year-old, Seth, who lives, uh, Ben's the oldest, Seth lives in Cartersville, Georgia. And I love Ben and I love Seth. And then we thought we had all the kids we was going to have. And then the later years, God see fit to give us a bonus baby. <laughs> And uh, that's Thomas, and he's sitting right here, and he's a good-looking kid. I often thought, God, why'd you give us a bonus baby? 
Well, because, you know, we always wanted good-looking sons, and we started out with Ben, nah, and Seth, eh, and then God answered our prayer and gave us a good-looking boy there at the end. But this morning, as I was praying and meditating about being here with you this morning, I'm at the kitchen table and I'm sitting there and I heard that 12-year-old boy, he's still in the bed like 12-year-old boys do. They like to stay in the bed. But listen to what he said. He said, Daddy! Daddy! I said, what is it? Daddy, come here. And you know what I did? I got up and left what I was doing. And I threw open that door. And there he was. I said, son, what do you want? What do you want? Can I tell you? There's no name. There's no word that's any dearer to my ears than that word, daddy. I love my sons. I'm telling you this morning that I would die for them today. There's not anything that I would not do for them. And I want you to know that my heart is so in tune with their lives. I talk to them every day. Ben calls me every day. Seth calls me every day. And when they call, the first thing they'll say, hey daddy, hey daddy, warms my heart. Can I tell some of you this morning that you might not have had a good experience in your life with a father. And you may not know what it is to have a loving father who would love you and nurture you and lay down his life. You may have been hurt by a father figure in your life. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there's not one of us in this room that have to go without a father because we have a God in heaven who is our Abba Father. And when we come to Christ and we're saved and the Spirit of God uh, comes into our heart, he teaches us to cry to our Heavenly Father and he teaches us to say Abba Father and one of the greatest scriptures concerning that that I can think about is when Jesus was teaching on prayer he said ask and you shall receive and seek and you will find and knock and the door will be opened he said because uh, how many of you having earthly fathers and if you ask your earthly father for bread will he give you a stone if you ask him for a fish will he give you a snake he said I tell you no, he said, but if your earthly fathers uh, who, uh, uh, who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give good things? And in one, of, uh, uh, one gospel it says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? I'm telling you, we have an Abba Father and we are to come to him when we pray to our Father and he welcomes us into his presence. Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. I like the way the CSB renders verse number nine. And it's like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. When we come before our Abba Father, we need to understand that his name is holy. Holy. 
Danny Aiken said this. He said, the idea is that we pray, uh, is as we pray, we admire, esteem, and honor, and reverence, and treasure the value of God's name above everything else in our lives. He went on to say, you, when we pray to God and we say, we say, uh, hallowed be your name. He says, we're saying that, oh God, you are supreme. You are abs the absolute treasure in all of the universe and over the universe. All other treasures are nothing by comparison. So the person of prayer is our Father in heaven and his name is holy. His name is set apart. His name is high and lifted up. He is the person of prayer. Then I want you to notice second of all this morning the purpose of prayer in verse number 10. The purpose of prayer in verse number 10 of our text this morning where the Bible says your kingdom come your will be done. Ladies and gentlemen why do we pray? Can I tell you this morning, the purpose of prayer is to secure the will of God in our lives. Ronnie Floyd said this. He said, when we are asking for the kingdom of God to come in the situations of life, then we're asking that the ruling presence of Jesus that already exists would exist in this very moment, for this very season, for this specific time of my, of my life. When I look up to heaven and I say, oh God, your kingdom come. I'm saying, oh God, I'm asking for the ruling presence of Jesus to take over in my life. And I know that that has a greater sense and meaning out there in the days to come. And we're looking forward to the time uh, when uh, all the nations uh, of this world will bow before him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and give him the honor and the glory that he deserves. But right now, today, when you and I are praying your kingdom come. We're asking for the ruling presence of Jesus to take over in our lives. We're saying your kingdom come. Listen to this now. Your will be done. These are words of surrender. Words of confidence and words of grace. They can only be prayed by those who have been delivered by the Redeemer from the one kingdom that it always leads to destruction and death, and that is the kingdom of ourselves. It can only be prayed by those who surrender their will to the will of a loving Heavenly Father. Praying for the will of God does not mean fewer blessings, but greater blessings. Over the years as a pastor, and as Cody said, I've been a pastor and a preacher for over 36 years now. And so many times over the years, people have looked at me and said, Preacher, I, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid to pray the will of God. And some people are afraid of the will of God. Why are they afraid of the will of God? That tells me when we're afraid of the will of God, that number one, either we've not been truly saved, we really don't have a relationship with God, or we're just des desperately lacking in, in the disciplines of the Christian life that we are just so immature in our, our faith that we don't understand the goodness and the grace 
of a loving, heavenly Father. God's will, the Bible says, is good. God's will is perfect. There, listen to me, dear people of God, there's no, there's no safer place in all of the world than in the, the will of God. And so we need to understand that we've got to learn to pray or understand what it means to pray your will be done. In prayer, we're not trying to talk God into doing our will, but it is finding God's will and then asking for it. Prayer is answered, listen to me, only when it is in the will of God. You say, preacher, is that true? Listen to 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if, we, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. How can I know then, preacher, that I'm praying in the will of God? Let me just give you two simple but profound ways to know that you're praying in the will of God. It begins, first of all, with the Bible. It begins with the Word of God. You see, the Word of God reveals His will in a general sense. We can read the Word of God and we can know about God's will and God's plan for this world and for the ages. And then as we read the Word of God, listen to what happens. You remember what Jesus said He was going to do when He was with His disciples? Now, don't miss this. Look at me right here just for a moment. They were with Him that three and a half years. They walked with Him. They, they talked with Him. They listened to Him. Uh, the, like, like John said, we have handled Him. We have touched Him. The Word of life. And now the Son of God has said to them, Guys, right now today you see me but in a little while you're not going to see me anymore because I'm going to my father they didn't understand their hearts were heavy and they were beginning to think what are we going to do he says that, that we, we are not going to be with him and he even told us that we can't go where he's going where in the world is he going that we cannot go if we cannot go and we cannot be with Jesus what are we going to do their hearts were troubled and their hearts were sad but Jesus said this he said let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid if you believe in God keep believing in me and he says this is what I'm going to do I'm going to send you another comforter, even the spirit of truth, and he will abide with you forever. And when he has come, he will guide you into all truths. So I'm telling you, I don't care who you are and what your name is. If you have been redeemed, if you've been saved by the grace of God, then you can take the Word of God and you can open up the Word of God and, and with bended knee and humble heart you can read and you can ask the Holy Spirit of God to guide you and the Holy Spirit of God to teach you and the Spirit of God will do that. The Spirit of God will work in your life and the Spirit of God will show you the things of God and it will rise up in your heart as truth. And you'll begin to see God's will, a particular specific will for your life. And you begin to learn to pray that will back to God. You, you know that it's so important. And I, and I seem like in the last year or two, there's been more focus, Cody, on people praying the Word of God. And our, our president of our Southern Baptist Convention 
the one before him, Ronnie Floyd, and also now Steve Gaines, both great men of prayer. And they're really encouraging people to learn to take the Word of God and to read the Word of God. And when you're reading the Word of God and the Holy Spirit just brings out a particular verse in the Word of God and just drives it home in your heart, he says, then take that verse and pray it back to God. And listen, if you want to know whether God will answer that or not, because listen, that is the Word of God. That is the will of God. And we pray. And we, 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 we call on the Lord. He gives us and helps us understand what the will of God is. But then I've got to take just a moment right here. Some of you are saying, but, but Brother Mark, you don't know where I'm at in my life. You don't know what I'm going through. There's several dear people that are dear to me. And this morning, and they have been for the last several weeks and the last few months, have been dealing with the sudden, unexpected, homegoing of a spouse, of a child. Others who, Cody, have received desperate news about their health. A young lady who didn't see it coming, but her husband of just a few short years just leaves. No explanation. Some of you this morning, a child that you done everything you could do to bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But now, they're wayward. Some of you have lost jobs and lost the ability to make a living for your family. And sometimes all of the pressures of the world just come caving in and crashing in. And sometimes you find hard to breathe. And you find yourself sitting in the, in the wee hours of the morning and after a moment or two you realize you're not even breathing and you, you take a breath. You're distressed. You're overwhelmed to the point that you can't even find the words to pray. So I know what some of you are saying. Oh, Mark, that praying's good. But what if I can't even pray? What if I'm so burdened in my soul that I don't even know what to do? By the way, can I just say something to you this morning? Right here where we've all lived, and I grew up in Cleburne County, and all of my life people talked about the will of God like it was some mystery that nobody could know it. And like God just looked down from heaven and put us down here and hid the will of God like a needle in a haystack. And we have to go looking for it. And then we get discouraged. But then this is what they'll always say when people get discouraged. Now don't worry about it. Because God won't ever put any more on you than you can bear. Have you heard people say that? 
Do you know it's not true? Sometimes you'll go through things. When a parent loses a child, that's more than they can bear. When you come to these dark places in your life, it's more than we can bear. Sometimes God will allow things to come into our life that's too hard to bear and it will push us down and down and down until we would surely die. If it were not for our Abba Father who said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And sometimes in the, in the darkness of the night, we fall down on our face, I do. And the Holy Spirit who lives in my heart, Cody, reminds me that the scripture says in Romans chapter number 8, verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with, for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you what that means? It means when I can't pray. That's right. Back in the early 2000s, I was pastoring a church in Waco, Georgia. And there was a move of God. Cody, you said you're praying for revival. I was praying for, it was the closest thing to revival I'd ever seen in my life. We'd been praying for months. we just get together on, 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 on an extra day of the week and we'd, a group of people would just get on our face and say, God, we want you to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And I asked, uh, you mentioned that this morning, it kind of, I said, Lord, out in the middle of nowhere, I said, Lord, I want to baptize every Sunday night. So God put it in my heart. And I told some of our deacons, I said, we're going to baptize this next church here. We're going to baptize every Sunday night. And they laughed at me. <laughs> and then one, you can imagine, said, oh, my goodness, every week, how are we going to afford the water bill? <laughs> <laughs> but we stretched out before God. God and we prayed and God moved and that might have been one or two Sundays we didn't baptize but that church year out in the middle of nowhere in the country we baptized 96 people for the glory of Christ God moved it was awesome but I, I don't know why I remember this but I remember going to the Oregon side of the sanctuary that was more my prayer time place was at and I, I stretched out before God. And I would pray. And I remember praying. I said, oh God, I want to know you better. I want to serve you better. I want to know the length and the width and the height and the depth of the love of God. I said, Lord, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. And right there in that moment, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, that's fine. 
But in order to know him and the power of his resurrection, you must join with him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And I don't know why I guess the Spirit of God just reminds me, but I pray and I said, Lord, do with me whatever you want to do. I said, but Lord, if there's ever been, if there ever comes a time in my life where I get to the place where I can't pray, I said, Holy Spirit, don't forget me, help me. And since that day, I've been there several times. But here's what the scripture in Romans means. It means when you can't even pray, you can, you can fall on your face before our Abba Father and you can just say, oh God. Because we have this infirmity, we have this weakness because we're in the flesh. But it is then, listen, that the Holy Spirit of God does what he promised he will do. You see, the Holy Spirit knows the will of God. And so the Holy Spirit takes the desire and the will of God and he comes and he places it back into my heart. And even though I cannot even pray, but with those sighs, those deep sighs and longings of my heart that I can't even put words to sometimes, all I can do is lay on my face and just groan and cry out to the God of my eternal salvation. But it is then the Holy Spirit takes that desire that he placed in my heart and he takes it back to heaven in the power of the cross and he, he gives it there to my Abba Father and my Abba Father moves and works in my lives in ways I could never imagine. True prayer don't miss this if you don't get anything else is always to the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Third thing, and I'll hurry. Listen, the provision of prayer. What do you need this morning? What do you need this morning? Verse number 11 says this. Give us this day our daily bread. What do you need this morning? What is, what is troubling your heart? We need to learn to take our knees before the Lord day by day. What do you need? You say, oh, preacher, can I really go into the very presence of God? How can I go into the very presence of God? Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing then... We have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Let us hold fast our confession of faith. For we do not have a great high priest that cannot be, that cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like you and me, yet without sin. Let us therefore, listen to me, come before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Can you not understand this morning 
the wonderful privilege that I can have audience with a holy God. I can go listen to the holy of holies. I can go right to the throne room of my Abba Father. I am welcomed in the presence of my holy God. What do you need this morning? Go to your Abba Father. Go to the dear Son of God. Now how in the world, preacher, could we ever do that? It's through the blood of Jesus that we can go to the throne of grace and come before the throne of God. Before the throne of God above. I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Behold him. Do you see him? Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior. And my God, because of what Jesus did and because of where Jesus is at and because of what Jesus is doing, I can have all of my needs met. One of the great verses of the Bible that I just cannot fathom, but it says in Romans chapter 8, verse number 32. And he to him who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not with him graciously give us what? All things. What do you need this morning? You say, preacher, I'm overwhelmed. Would you come this morning? And would you cast your care upon the dear living son of almighty God? You say, preacher, you don't know. You don't know what I've been. You don't know what I've done. Ladies and gentlemen, if we'll humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt us in due season. You can cast all of your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you this morning. And he wants to help you. Listen, let me give you these. Just read over these last two real quick. Then we're going we're to sing the pardon of prayer in verse number 12. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. You see, powerful prevailing prayer must come from a clean heart. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Some of you say, preacher, I'm struggling. I know I'm saved, but I'm struggling. I feel like my prayers are not getting through to God. Do you have unconfessed, unrepented of sin in your heart? Do we want revival? Do we want to see an extraordinary move of God, the Holy Spirit, in the life of believers that bring about extraordinary uh, results? If we're going to do that, Cody, it's going to start with me. It's going to start with the people of God. And it's going, we're going to have to come without reservation and, and be transparent and come before a holy God and say, Lord, I've got this thing hidden down deep in my heart. I've got this secret sin in my life. And we need to bring it to God and 
and claim 1 John 1 and 9 if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And not only can I confess my sin to the Lord and get in a right relationship with God, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, He'll give me a heart that stands ready to forgive those who have trespassed against me. And we can have a great revival. We were in, I was in revival service in Oxford back in the 80s. And I was preaching in revival in this little church. And it was just like it was tied up every night. And about the third night of the revival, it just seemed like. But I watched during the response time where one lady got out. Went back halfway back to the church. She found another lady. And I seen them talking face to face. But the problem was they had been at odds with each other. And the church knew it. And it had been an ongoing feud for a number of years. Right there in that service, those women with tears asked one another to forgive. And they both walked down to that church and got in the altar. The Spirit of God moved. People began to get saved. It was a great outpouring of the Spirit of God. And then the protection of prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Can I tell you, Satan has a plan to destroy your life. He has aimed all of hell's artillery at you and your family. But you can overcome. The Bible says we're to be sober and we're to be watchful because he wants to destroy our lives. But Ephesians chapter 6 tells us we can put on the whole armor of God and to close out that, that teaching, he said, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. In the second Thessalonians 3 and 3, we're to, we're to be watchful. Uh, we're, because the Lord is faithful, he says, and he will establish you and he will guard you against the evil one. I believe, as they're coming to get a verse of invitation song ready this morning, there's a couple of things I'll share as they're coming to get ready to sing. I believe that prayer is the greatest privilege and service in a Christian's life. And Paul writing to the church at Colossae says in chapter 4 and verse number 2, he says, I want you to continue, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. The word continue there means give unrelenting care to it. We should guard against the irregularity of prayer. We're to be watchful, we are to be vigilant. I mentioned Jesus in the garden. Do you remember what happened when Jesus told his disciples, sit here and pray with me while I go yonder uh, and, and pray? When he come back, what did he find them doing? They were asleep. I would ask you this morning with an humble heart, this simple question. In the area of prayer, are you asleep? Or can you say, Pastor, I can honestly say in my prayer life, I am vigilant. And I'm watchful. Can I speak to the men just a moment? You better be vigilant in your home. You better pray over your wife and your children every day. And let them hear you pray for them. I pray over my children every day. Even those older too, when they come to my house, before they go home, I'll pray with them. I'll put my arms around them and pray with them. And I will bless them in the name of Jesus. I'll say before they leave, may the Lord bless you. 
and keep you and cause his face to shine on you and give you grace and peace in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus because I know the evil one wants to destroy us. But we must watch and pray to avoid spiritual defeat. So how would you describe your prayer life this morning? What do I need to do, preacher? I just believe in this service this morning. The, the pastor said that he really believed that God wanted to start revival in this place. I do too, now that I'm here. I believe it with all my heart. So what we need to do is some, some men, some dads, to take your wife by the hand. If you've been asleep in prayer and you need to ask God to forgive you, you need to ask your family to forgive you. And you need to come to an old-fashioned altar and just gather around and pour your heart out to God. If you believe that God is a God who answers prayer and He is our Abba Father and we can go to Him, then ask Him to forgive you of, of wasted days and make a commitment today from this day forward with the help of the Spirit of God I will pray. And not only for your family, but come this way today for revival's got to start in your life and then in your family in this church life but then, then pray that there would be such a move of the Spirit of God that when God works, no man could explain it. So will you today trust God to help you pray as he desires you to pray? And if I was in this room this morning and I did not know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I would listen to the sweet spirit of God. And some of you, he's already dealt with your heart. And as soon as we sing, you need to get out behind your pew and you need to come and tell one of your pastors, today, I want to trust Christ alone as my personal Savior. We ought to fill this place up. That church I told you where we experienced revival during that year, Cody, I could get up on a Sunday morning and I could say, folks, Jesus loves you. And give an invitation. Wall to wall, eight and ten deep. What anything I done? It's what we desperately need. Fanny Crosby said it like this, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray in holy manna will be showered all around. You know what happens when the pastor asks somebody that hasn't been preaching to preach, he'll come and preach all day long. I can't say I'm sorry. I just say thank you. Let's stand. Let's pray.